guys, and so grateful, yeah, so grateful for our care ministry and Anna who works with them there and other, there are tons of volunteers, dozens of folks who serve in a variety of ways. Thank you for serving in care ministry because I'll be slipping to the Welcome to Calvary reception. Both pastors Steve and Pastor Mac will be available uh, in the lobby near where I usually am to pray with you, help you with any need you have. Uh, and just so blessed by their care ministry. Thank you for those of you who serve there. Also, I want to say thank you for the toys you've brought over the last few weeks to be a blessing to those in need. 2,300 toys were gathered and want to say thank you. They'll be used in a number of Christmas shops in partnership with our local partner, Action. And so there'll be some other churches that will host some Christmas shops. We hosted one yesterday specifically for families affected by disability. And uh, there are about 150 VIPs, uh, children uh, that are affected with a special need, and um, about 123 families we served. In all, with the children in those families, uh, there were between four and 500 uh, kids that were ministered to, and uh, we had 250 volunteers who were engaged in serving. Thank you to those of you who wrapped, those of you who uh, helped uh, the family shop. We, we try to bring dignity into the situation so that while there is no cost to these families because they're in financial need or they're facing the challenges of kids with special abilities, they, um, the parents are given some points and they can come in and they can choose the, the, the toys and the gifts they want for their children, their age appropriate and all, and there is just a great value that comes with that. Uh, also yesterday, uh, during that time, eight people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate that. A number of folks were prayed with and their prayer requests were put on the cross and just thank you, thank you for all of you for your generosity in giving those gifts and those who served in that ministry. What a wonderful, wonderful way to bless our community. And those, many of those toys you gave now will be a part of those other uh, Christmas shops that will bless people who are financially challenged at this time in the name of of Jesus. I want to just add a couple of thoughts here to some of the things going on this Christmas. Our Star of Wonder next week, uh, that is such an incredible event with the snow and all the activities. It's a great evening. You can come out and stay busy, and, and it's a lot of fun and a lot of activity. Bring your children, bring your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews. But this is also an opportunity for us. We don't do this just for us. This is, this is our outreach to the community. So bring your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends. Invite them to come. A lot of people will come on to a church campus for something like that, and they'll figure out that maybe they should be here for something this Christmas season. So it's a great opportunity to invite folks. We also need folks to serve. This is a one-time opportunity to serve at one event. Uh, we have a lot of uh, folks who've already volunteered. Thank you for those of you who are gonna serve. Uh, we could use some more men because there's some snow that needs to every now and then be adjusted to make sure that hill is really good. So we could use some more men signing up. You can go to calvarywestlake.org love. That's a page where we put all the ways you can serve this Christmas here at Calvary, and you can find a way to invest and pour into other people, but even through the Star of Wonder. And then in a few weeks, we've got Christmas weekend. Interestingly, Christmas Eve falls on Saturday, and Christmas Day is on Sunday, so we'll have a, kind of the normal pattern we've had over the years of a one, three, five, and seven o'clock services on Christmas Eve, but we'll also have a Sunday morning Christmas Day service but all the services will pretty much be the same. So we're not expecting you to come to one on Christmas Eve and then come back Christmas morning. 
We would just love to have you come to one of those. Again, you can bring friends. It's a great opportunity to invite people to join you at Christmas. Uh, and there is another opportunity where we need some greeters and ushers and folks to step up and serve. And you can, again, go to calvarywestlake.org love, and you can find the places where you can plug in if you're able to serve one service or two services. If you're here at Christmas, that would really bless folks as you get to be the face uh, welcoming them or greeting them or serving them on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Also, this uh, Advent season, I'm writing devotionals that correspond with the series that we're gonna begin today called Child of the Promise. And so last week, if you were part of those Advent devotionals on calvarywestlake.org slash take five, or you get them in your email, uh, where you can, you can sign up there to get them in your email, uh, we talked about the wonderful counselor. And today we're gonna talk about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Open your Bibles or go on your mobile app to 2 Corinthians chapter one. We'll be looking at Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, the second letter that he wrote to them, and just looking at two verses, verses three and four in this opening chapter of this first century letter between the apostle Paul and the local church there at Corinth. As I thought of Jesus as our wonderful counselor and that that baby born in the manger was sent by God to be our comforter, our encourager, I was thinking about the stuff we go through in life and maybe for some of you lost someone near and dear to you this year. Maybe you're still grieving a loss. Maybe you lost a job or you've gone through some trial or some difficulty or some trouble financially or medically. Maybe there's been tension in your family or with your kids or your grandkids or in your marriage. I don't know what maybe burden you have brought with you. But one of the things we learn from who Jesus is and why he came is he came to be our wonderful counselor. I love the song that was written a number of years ago, a very simple song with profound concepts by Laura Story called Blessings. She raises some questions about the trials we go through. She writes, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near, referring to God? What if trials of this life are your mercies, God, in disguise? I think when we begin to unravel and understand and unpack what it means that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we begin to see the struggles and the troubles and the trials we go through in a whole different light. We know that Jesus in his coming to Bethlehem as that baby in the manger, in his life and ministry here on earth for those 33 years, his crucifixion, his burial and resurrection, he fulfilled over 300 ancient prophecies. Some of those prophecies came from the voice of Isaiah. Isaiah lived seven and a half years before Jesus walked on planet Earth, and he prophesied about Jesus being that wonderful counselor. In Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be responsible, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now here, seven and a half centuries before Jesus walked on planet Earth, we have a Jewish prophet prophesying about how God had chosen his people, the nation of Israel, to bring forth the Messiah and this child would be born. We know ultimately this prophecy is fulfilled when Jesus comes the second time and, and he comes and makes all things right and 
reigns forever and ever. But we also know that in his first coming, he fulfilled many of these things, and we who know Christ are a part of his kingdom now and can experience that he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I find it interesting in this week, a lot of news about someone who names the name of Christ, calls themselves a Christian, being anti-Semitic. I find it interesting them talking about Nazis in a positive way when what they did was so horrible to God's people. It's absurd to me to think that any Christian could be anti-Semitic because it's through God's chosen people, through the voices of prophets like Isaiah who were Jewish, that a Jewish Messiah, our Savior, came through the Jewish people as God's intended gift to all of humanity. And so we see this wonderful prophecy that Jesus would be, as we're gonna see this week, our wonderful counselor. Next week, we'll talk about how he is our mighty God. The next week, how he is our everlasting father. And then on Christmas weekend, in our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services, we will talk about how he is the Prince of Peace. But this concept of wonderful counselor means wonder and awe and amazement. And then counselor, the word there that's used in the Hebrew and Isaiah has the idea of wisdom. He is this amazing source of wisdom for us. I think 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 that I mentioned to you that I asked you to turn to in your Bibles helps us understand how he is that wonderful counselor because Jesus became the embodiment of the Father. And then the Spirit was given inside of us as Jesus ascended to be with the Father. We have his Spirit within us. And, and if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Now notice this, so that, for the purpose that, for the purpose that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Do you notice in these two verses the word comfort is used four times? If you read the first 11 verses of this chapter, of this book, the word comfort is used 10 times. And the word comfort here in the Greek has the idea of coming alongside someone. And it's the same word Jesus used of the Spirit that when he would come and be with us, he would be the comforter. He would be the one who would be our traveling companion through life. And, and the Lord Jesus himself is the wonderful counselor and through the presence of his Spirit with us, he is our wonderful counselor. He is the one who walks with us. If we know Jesus as our Savior, through the ups and downs of life, he walks alongside us, with us, no matter what we're going through, he is this wonderful counselor. He is this comfort of God described here in these two verses. You see, God the Son walked among us and knows what it is to be human to hurt. He knows what it is to go through pain. He knows what it is to grieve over the loss of a loved one. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it means to go through trials. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says it makes him even better as, as our advocate and the one who walks with us in this journey. He is the wonderful counselor because he gets it. He now brings us God's comfort so that we can take God's comfort to others. This God of comfort, comfort that's described in these two verses brings us comfort in the financial stress, in the job situation, the family crisis, the medical things we're going through. He brings us comfort as he is alongside us and with us in the journey, but not just for us, but he then wants to use us 
as extensions of himself so that the wonderful counselor is experienced through his people to those who are hurting, those who are struggling. We are told to comfort one another. Psalm, excuse me, Isaiah 40 verse one says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. We're to come alongside and comfort one another. A couple of things, I wanna make three observations from these two verses about our wonderful counselor, the one Isaiah talked about, Jesus, that babe born in the manger, what he means to us today as our wonderful counselor from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses three and four. Number one, all comfort comes from God. He, he says here, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And that word compassion means mercy. And it doesn't mean that he holds it, it actually is an active form of that word. It means he is one who actively brings us mercy and compassion. And then it says, and the God of all comfort. Sometimes we use the phrase, all truth is God's truth, because we mean anything that is true in the universe actually has its source in the God who created and sustains everything. All truth is God's truth. But what Paul is trying to express to us is that all comfort is God's comfort. Whether you're comforted by another believer, you're comforted by God's word, God's spirit, or you're comforted by a secular resource, a friend who doesn't even know the Lord but says an encouraging word to you. You go to get some medical help from a doctor who may not know the Lord. You go to a therapist or, or a psychologist who, who may not even have the same values you have. But when they bring you comfort and encouragement, they help you in life. Ultimately, all comfort and encouragement goes back to God as its source. All comfort comes from God. Any comfort anyone ever receives at any time ultimately finds its source in God. That's important for us to understand. Because he wants us as his children to recognize where all comfort comes from, that our Savior is our wonderful counselor, so that we then say, I received this comfort, and then in turn we can share that comfort with others. The Apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonica, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact you were doing. And let me just say to you, if you've been encouraging folks and building others up and coming alongside them in their time of trouble, keep on doing that. If you haven't been, this is a season when people think about the struggles, the trials, the financial challenges, the people they've lost. And so be sensitive and aware and speak into that, into the lives of others. As a pastor, I think the harshest thing I've ever walked with people through over 30 years of pastoral ministry is the loss of a child. Whether that child was lost during a pregnancy through a miscarriage, or that child is in their 50s and the parents are in their 80s, the loss of a child just doesn't sit right with us. It's, it's hard and heavy, and some of you have experienced that kind of loss. Some of you are listening online, you've experienced that kind of loss. Whatever your loss is, though, the God of all comfort wants to comfort you. Some of you may know the story of Mark and Tricia Davis and their daughter, Hannah. They went through a great loss a number of years ago. I want you just to hear their story and how life can have its very difficult and earth-shattering experiences. Listen to the Davises as they share part of their story. Hannah was an exuberant um, young lady, she always was. She was the type of um, young one that you'd say, don't laugh, Hannah. 
don't do it, don't do it. And she just could never, she burst, burst out laughing. She always had a twinkle in her eye and she just had this inner joy about her. She'd know everybody's name around the table and their children. So when uh, she entered middle school, uh, we joined Calvary. We were so grateful for the resources that Calvary offered to that. It let that big personality uh, really express itself and grow. We would talk about entering middle school and looking for somebody who needed a friend, who was um, looked kind of lonely or felt awkward. And she kind of took that attitude and ran with it. <laughs> and so she was just that type of person. Back in 2003, one of the traditions at Calvary was a, to do a big, splashy Christmas card to the Conejo, a uh, big, splashy musical. And we, we had the blessing of the, our whole family being involved uh, for a couple of years there. And, and uh, at the matinee and the, the final Sunday, uh, Hannah just wasn't feeling very well. And, and, and you know, we you, you soldiered through, and that's not rare at that time of the year, right? Everybody's tired. Everybody got one too many parties or 10 too many parties. So we were going to soldier on through, and she came and did the matinee that Sunday afternoon. And, and then she really couldn't make it to the one Sunday night. She just didn't have the energy. So, so that was sort of a tip off to us that, 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 you know, that she wasn't very, that she wasn't well. Yeah, um, she had uh, influenza A, she had the flu, and, um, and her sister Martha had had it too. Martha healed up and Hannah just didn't seem to get better. So by that um, Thursday, we went to the pediatrician and they ended up sending us to the hospital. I know it was Christmas time, and her birthday's two days after Christmas. It was, oh my goodness, what a time for her to be in the hospital. And we would just hang out together, and she felt really crummy, and they, they couldn't figure out what was the matter with her. She was still in the hospital. Um, they put her on a ventilator. They went in and told Hannah, we're gonna put you to sleep for a little bit, and, and, and uh, she said, how long? And they said, um, about three days. And she said, um, good. I mean, that was how bad she felt. And I remember just um, throwing her, blowing her kisses. And that was Monday. And then Christmas Eve, we had a scare. There was a, a code blue, and they thought that, that she was slipping away. And we got to the hospital, and she wasn't. She was, she was OK, and we were giddy. Remember, we were giddy about it. We went back to the Christmas Eve service, and I remember Breath of Heaven being sung. and. You know, we were, we were crying, but we were grateful. And then Christmas um, morning, we went to see her, read scripture over her. A friend had given us some oil from Jerusalem, and um, we were with her on Christmas. And then the day after Christmas, you want to continue there? Sweetie? We were going to be going in to see her first thing in the morning. I mean, first thing in the morning, 5 or 5.30. I had called, which is, was protocol at the time, called in advance to say, hey, we're coming and was quickly told, just a moment, Mr. Davis, I'll put you on hold. And uh, uh, the social worker got on the phone, which had never happened before, right? And, and the, the words were just simply, I'm sorry, Mr. Davis, we've lost her. Uh, about six in the morning, uh, the day between Christmas and our daughter's 14th birthday, she went home to be with the Lord. Uh, it was a, a, as dark a day as, as uh, uh, I hope to ever experience. It's the kind of day that, that no one should ever have to walk. We weren't made to walk that. Uh, but Hannah went home to be with Jesus on the 26th of December, uh, 2003, the day before her 14th birthday. That's, uh, that's the story of Hannah. Yeah.
Incredible loss. Hard to put just a little bow around that and say that's all better because this side of eternity, the Davises lost their daughter. How did they discover that God is the God of all comfort? We'll hear that in the rest of their story. This passage tells us that Jesus is that comforter. He is our wonderful counselor. He is the God of all comfort who comes alongside us and walks through even the worst of things with us. Not only is he the that not only do we learn from him that all comfort comes from God, but then we read here, who comforts us in all our troubles. God will comfort us in all our troubles. Not some of them, not just the big things, not just the little things. He will be with us. He will come alongside and journey with us through the darkest moments and the the harshest storms and the deepest waters. You see, to be, to be comforted, we have to be open to his comfort his way. I've met people who say, well, I will find encouragement and comfort if this happens this way, if it happens this way, or God speaks to me in this way, or, and, and some people are waiting for the angel to appear or a voice to come. And I, I know in one of the times I knew God was with me in a, a dark moment, I was 14 years of age, my mom had had some sort of a breakdown, was being taken out of the house by police to be put in a mental institution. And I remember laying there wondering why I was in this family, why am I going through this, why is this my life at age 14? And I remember just so vividly, no voice, no visual anything, but I remember God's presence with me, his comfort, that Jesus was with me as his child. And sometimes we want to define how that comfort has to come or it has to come in this means or that means when we need to be ready to receive the comfort from God his way, on his terms. You can't even begin to receive that kind of comfort from him as your wonderful counselor unless you have a relationship with God through Jesus. And that relationship doesn't come by coming to Calvary or being good enough or being more moral than other people. It comes when you recognize you're a sinner, that you need a savior, and that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised for you so you could have a relationship with God now and forever, and he would then walk with you as the wonderful counselor through some of the toughest things of life. If you haven't come to that place where you've rested your faith in Jesus, you can do that right now where you sit. Today's the day you put your faith in Christ, or you have questions for us, we'd love to connect with you. One way you can communicate with us, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, is you can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen. Just take his name, make that the body of the text, take the number, uh, 58568, and just text Jesus to that number, and we'll follow up with some resources. We'll call you. Our care team members, part of the care ministry you heard about a few moments ago, will be down front after the service to pray with you, help you with any need you have. Pastors Mac and Steve Day and even Pastor Dick Thompson, who is at the top of the service sharing announcements, they'll be in the lobby right where I usually stand. You can greet them there. And we'd love to make sure you know Jesus as your Savior because you can't even begin to understand him as the wonderful counselor unless he is with you because you're his child. And then he is that comforter who will comfort you in all your troubles. Thirdly, not only is all comfort from God, And not only will God comfort us in all our troubles, but thirdly, God comforts us so that we will comfort others. He said, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others 
with the comfort we ourselves, and notice this, receive. Every time comfort is mentioned in a verbal form here in these first 11 verses, including verse four, it's in the present tense. So he's saying, he has comforted us, so we will take the comfort he's given us, and while we're still being comforted by him in present tense, not the comfort we received a year ago, five years ago, now we'll pour into others. I can tell you, I know the Davis as well, and their hearts are still heavy for their loss. But they take the comfort God has given them and they begin to pour that into other people. God comforts us. The wonderful counselor comes alongside us so that we will comfort others. God comforts us for the purpose that his comfort to us will comfort others through us. Some people just kind of throw up their hands and say, there's so many hurting people. There's so many people who've gone through what I've gone through or people who have needs and I just don't have the energy to pour into all those people. Find one person to bring encouragement to this Christmas season. Someone has put it this way, helping one person might not change the whole world, but it can change the whole world for one person. As I mentioned, that was a tough day for Mark and Tricia Davis. God met them, maybe not on their terms in the way they expected, but God met them. Listen to the rest of their story. I remember just crying out and saying, Lord, I've always felt you gave me the gift of, of joy. And how am I going to deal with that? How do I have joy? And then as the days went on, I, I came to realize that joy comes from the Lord, has nothing to do with what's happened in a day. Our walk began with him in such a deep way that day because he was who we were clinging to. And one scripture we were given by some dear family friends is actually on Hannah's uh, headstone, John eleven four. This sickness shall not be unto death, but unto the glory of God, so that God's Son shall be glorified through it. And I think it was given to us with the intention of the first part of the verse, the sickness shall not be unto death. And we sort of took it that way, and phew, that's great. But that's not the way it worked out. And I think what I carry with me, what is on Hannah's uh, headstone, I know Tricia does too, is this sickness shall not be unto death, but unto the glory of God, so that God's Son shall be glorified through it. So it becomes our job and our responsibility and our huge blessing to find a way to use this painful thing to glorify Jesus. I remember sitting there with you and saying, we can't bury what's happened to us. I said, I, I, I to took it, as, it. Yeah, we have to redeem it. We have to, we want God to use it, to grow it, whatever it is for him. One of the things our, our daughters all love, but Hannah in particular, was Hume Lake Christian Camp. We were blessed to have health insurance, but at Hannah's passing, a number of friends essentially passed a hat among people to, to support us with the medical expenses that, that we would have incurred in, in Hannah's passing, which were real and significant. When it became clear that we didn't need the funds for that, somehow it, through God's guidance, we realized let's send kids to Hume Lake Christian Camp. And we had the opportunity that year, and for a number of years, I think still, there, there are kids who get to go to Christian, human like Christian camp through funds that were provided by people expressing their love for Jesus. And, and Trisha's father uh, as well, wanting to give something in, in Hannah's memory. So we went to the folks at Hume Lake and said, what do you need? What, what can we do? And, and there is a, a, an area that the middle school students take up to what they call Victory Circle, where they have evening things, bonfires, and, and where later in, in the O-Weeks experience at, at, at Hume, kids will be offered the opportunity to, to commit their lives to Jesus. And there's a, a, a gully, it's there. And Hume came to us and said, 
we, we've always wanted to build a bridge across that, but we've never had the means to do it. And we said, well, you do now. So uh, a bridge was built across that, and it's still there. But it means the world to, to us for, for lots of reasons. Just obviously to have your daughter remembered is a blessing. But that bridge is used to take middle schoolers to Jesus. That bridge is a, is a way of glorifying Jesus in memory of our beautiful Hannah. When we learned that Hannah had passed, your brain sort of automatically reaches out for, give me an example of my head of someone who's been through this so I know I can survive. Because what I'm feeling right now is so bad, I don't think I'll ever get out of it. And the Lord had blessed us with some neighbors uh, a, a couple of years before Hannah had passed, an older couple who lost a daughter. And we realized that when we went through this with Hannah, that God was making us into that uh, lifeline for other people. On my chest, I have Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, which is uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in any affliction so that we can comfort others in any trouble with the same comfort we've been given. I, I put it on my chest because I, I forget it way too easily, and I, and I can't forget it now. What, what we've been through and what so many people watching have been through becomes a responsibility, which is also a blessing. Because of what we carry uh, and who carries us, we can hopefully serve as an example or, or teach uh, other people. It's not easy, it's not fun, it hurts, all of those things. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can take our experience and use it to help somebody else. And in fact, that's the only thing that makes sense of anything. That's what becomes not a burden, but a huge blessing when you use the, what you've been through in this life, the trials, uh, to benefit somebody else. What an incredible story. <laughs> Thankful to Mark and Tricia for allowing us to share that. Some of you walked through that with them. Mark has served as an elder here for a number of years. You've been blessed by the Davises, but in their story, did you notice he said that they take what they've gone through and now they become a comfort to others. And when he said he has it on his chest, he means he has it tattooed on his chest, these two verses. And he has in bold, so that. Because that's very important. That's the purpose. God allows us, intentionally allows us to go through circumstances because there's someone coming down our path that needs the same comfort we're still getting from God in their lives. So let me just ask you, as you think about the one who is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can be a comfort to others right while we're being comforted by him, let me ask you just two questions. Are you receiving God's comfort to you? Maybe you've been making demands on God of how that comfort has to come or the, the parameters around when you will be encouraged. Receive that. And maybe you'll be like many of us who can't even describe what that experience was like, but you know God met you in that comfort. Secondly, are you sharing God's comfort with others? While you're receiving it, are you beginning to look and say, who can I encourage? Who can I comfort? There is something healthy that God brings to us, even more comfort as we pour comfort into others. And as we discover that he, our Savior, Jesus, is the wonderful counselor the prophet talked about, then we get to bless others and help them see that he is that wonderful counselor, that comforter. Can I just share with you four means of finding comfort? If you're going through a financial thing, a family thing, a medical thing, a job thing, whatever it could be, a loss you've suffered this year, 
that you're carrying with you, four ways, four means of receiving and experiencing comfort. Number one, take Psalm 4. I've done this often. Psalm 4 is a great psalm. It's a great starting point. If you've just been struggling to experience God's comfort, to experience Jesus as the wonderful counselor, read Psalm 4 back as a prayer to God. It's a great starting point to begin to open your heart to receive God's comfort and to experience Jesus as your wonderful counselor. Secondly, read or excuse me, reach out to our minister on call. If you go through something in this season, we have people available 24-7 who are trained uh, to be ministers on call through our prayer ministry. You just call our main office number here at Calvary uh, 24-7, and you'll be connected to uh, the minister on call, and, and they can pray with you, they can help you. Uh, avail yourself of that opportunity just when you're going through a dark time, a difficult time, reach out to a minister on call. Thirdly, find someone with whom you can share God's comfort and sit with them in it. You know, Job, Job's friends showed up after all of his suffering, and the first seven days they didn't open their mouths, and on day eight they opened their mouth, and it's after day eight that his troubles got worse. <laughs> the comfort they brought was in the first seven days as they just sat with them. Sometimes the comfort we bring is just to sit with people Cry with them, hand them a Kleenex, put an arm around them, just sit in silence, sit with them in it. And a lot of us type A's want to fix it. Sometimes it's just sitting with them in it. Maybe there's somebody you just need to go visit, you need to go see, you need to sit with, a coworker, a friend, where you can minister God's comfort to someone else. And fourth and finally, text, email, call someone. Even text someone before the service ends to say, I'm thinking about you, I know what you're going through, I know what you're experiencing, I've heard what, what pain you're, you're facing and I just want you to know I'm praying for you, I'm thinking of you, I'm here for you. Just a kind word that will go a long way with someone in the midst of their pain. And you take the comfort you're experiencing and right while you're receiving it from the Lord, you allow others to receive it. It will bless you and it will bless them. Laura's story raises those questions. What if even the most difficult things of life are actually blessings in disguise? As Michelle sings and Mary Kay plays, just... Let the lyrics of that song kind of soak into your heart and mind and embrace Jesus, even as you hear this song, as your wonderful counselor.